What's up and welcome back to Now Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patrick Sheehan. I am here with my co-host, he's on his island in the sun shit, shout out Weezer, Dave Martinson. What's going on, man? Yo, 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 what's good, Sonny? So, uh, I just saw you yesterday, Dave. We, we went to a red... Mm, great day. It was a, it was a pretty good day. Although, uh, we, we didn't get the result we wanted. The Red Sox lost. Dave was gracious enough to bring me to a Red Sox game. We got to see, you know, some live baseball on a Sunday afternoon. Always fun. And, and your Yankees, dude, going for it. Sonny Gray, the ace, the, the next Andy Pettit. Facts. Damn right. They didn't give up any other best prospects, in most people's opinions. So I was pretty good haul, put that way. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty good trade for them. Red Sox got Addison Reed, so we're going to probably get the second wild card and lose in the first round. So. You literally said yesterday, I don't want effing Addison and Reed. Then, uh, then I, I get my boy, so I should probably be more careful when I talk like that. Mm. Buy the jersey now. <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it because we have a lot of stuff to touch on, including some movies, some music, but everybody's talking about an awesome episode three of Game of Thrones. Very plot heavy. Queen's Justice. Yes, Cersei had a big episode, but who did you think won the week? Is it Euron again? It could be. I mean, getting credit for what he pulled off at the end of the last episode when he you know, captured Alaria and Yara. Not so much, but the fact that he just showed up to Castle Rock and started destroying Grey Worm ships. You know, I think Euron's doing pretty good. Also, fast boats, because going from King's Landing all the way around to Castle Rock, that's uh, all the way around the continent. I love these fast boats. I love this uh, quick passage of time that we're having on this season. It's pretty funny. And not only fast boats, but how, how quickly they were built. He has a whole armada, and they built it in like a month. On islands with no trees. Crazy. Magic. I actually thought Tyrion had had a really good week. Sure. You know, even though his battle plan seems to be slowly falling apart, <laughs> the way that he's kind of playing in between Jon Snow and, and Danny, which I thought was probably the best scene of the whole show or yesterday was a whole episode was seeing them interact. I thought Tyrion big episode for him. So yeah, it's funny. I think at the start of the season, Daenerys is like, you know, we're gonna have so much winning, you're just gonna get sick of winning, <laughs> and now you know. She just fired her second comms director, so. <laughs> she can do it all, all on her own, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Game of Thrones, I mean, it's interesting. All the critics got the first three episodes, so now they're moving into territory that nobody has seen. Oh, I didn't know they gave out screeners again. They had pre- previously withheld them after, like, those the first four episodes got leaked, I believe, of season five. Yeah, I saw Wall said he got the first three, so, and everybody else got I guess if you're like a major critic so it'll be interesting to see how the season goes from here it seems like there's a lot of different storylines I didn't do the, the, the death pool how'd you do in that I did good I had a tiny sand first and you got poisoned I thought that was an I thought that was an obvious one the you know mother on mother revenge Elena though did not see Elena going out quite this fast but Diana Riggs great presence on the show just like you know Charles Tance's Tywin they've had a lot of great older actors Tough to see your go, but it makes makes sense. Just dropping bombs on the way out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, shout out Elena. But, you know, Benioff and Weiss, they've already announced what their next project post-Game of Thrones on HBO is going to be. Right. It's a show called Confederate. Why don't you educate the people on what this show is going to be about? Yeah. So we had talked about it a few weeks ago, Sacramento.com, Nostalgia Pod, about how Benioff and Weiss were not going to be involved with the several, I believe it's four Game of Thrones spinoff shows that will be coming 
once the final season airs. But in the meantime, Benioff and Weiss are not abandoning TV by any stretch. They really have the pick of whatever they want to do, right? But they're keeping it in the HBO family and doing this show called Confederate. It's basically a alternate history show where the South won the Civil War. And slavery continued. Similar to Man the High Castle when the Nazis won the World War II. Won, won, won the World War II. So as you can imagine, and if you've seen hashtag no confederate by now, you know, there's a bit of a backlash for making a show with, you know, blatant racism and just slavery on TV. It rubs people, right. a lot of people the wrong way, the tastefulness of the show. On the other hand, you'll see that people say that, why do you want to censor anything? Just don't, you know, watch it. And I see both sides to that. I do think it's kind of like bad taste. And in general, like in today's political climate, it seems like kind of a bad idea, even if the show is definitely not even close to being imminent because Game of Thrones itself has another season that might take two years to come out. So I think it is kind of tough to be so rough on it right now, but you know, it also doesn't seem like the best idea. I agree. First of all, not friend of the show. And I had the idea of alternate timelines, things where history events went different ways way before man, the high castle or any of this stuff came out. So I feel like we're, we're owed a portion of, well, well, Malcolm Gladwell took your idea and made a great podcast out of it called revisionist history. So you kind of missed your, missed your window. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even like revisionist history. That If you listen to the podcast, only a couple of them really look right. at like what would have happened otherwise. But, I mean, I think the main thing I encourage people to think about with this is that, you know, I can understand that, that the premise is upsetting to people. It's a really sensitive subject, and they're going to have to be very careful in the way that they portray it. But these are also two really skilled creators. And I don't think that, I mean, they've done some tone-deaf things on Thrones, but I don't think they're so tone-deaf tone deaf that they're going to go into this and make it an abomination, something that people are going to be really appalled by. I think they'll do it in a tasteful way. Right. And, like, you got to remember The Handmaid's Tale exists. That's a show where women are lesser than men, and that's definitely not a great feeling either in today's climate. So, And people like that show because it's actually really, really strong. So, Just again, me. you know, it's going to be a while. but Shout out Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, definitely. Reserve the judgment. Absolutely. But, Dave, what's your judgment on the movie Valerian? I did not see that movie, but I know you did. And uh, t- tell the people what they should see it. I saw it. After seeing Dunkirk, same day, with friend of the pod, Ryan Chin, who we also saw yesterday. Shout out, Chin. Shout out, Ryan Chin. And, yeah, so I waited a few more hours, hung around, and went back into the theater, saw Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. As I talked about a few weeks ago, it's based off of the 1967 French comic, Valerian and Loreline. It ran for many decades. And if you've been paying attention, you'll see that the box office... Domestically, it was very poor. 17 million opening weekend. The second weekend has passed. It's barely crossed 30 million in the U.S. So definitely a bomb. But it was an interesting movie because it was the most expensive independent film of all time, but $180 million production budget. And the story of how Luc Besson got this movie funded is actually really fascinating that I definitely recommend people check out. You can find that on a really cool Wired profile. But anyway, the movie, I think, is a lot of fun. It's really, really visually striking, really great to look at and it is like a fun movie fun sci-fi movie the world is actually really fascinating i really wish they could have built on it more but you know judging with his box office struggles i don't think that's likely big part of that is luke Besson is like a you know big visionary fifth element comes to mind lucy with scarlett johansson as well uh, he has you know cool and unique ideas but the valerian uh, script definitely was lacking uh, some of the dialogue wasn't great and also dane dehan the lead alongside carrie delavine dane dehan 
is playing a like, Han Solo type who gets laid all across the galaxy. And I'm sorry, but Dainty Han is just not believable as that kind of character. <laughs> no, definitely. So he was a little miscast. He should have been a Dunkirk, if anything, not like a would-be blockbuster. But overall, I think it was enjoyable, especially if you're a sci-fi fan. The movie is having a strong start in France, so it might not be the worst bomb ever. But unfortunately, over here, you know, talk of the sequel is probably a little late now. So I think it's fun. Definitely catch it like on demand or on a plane or something. Because it's with the, with the aliens, the idea, there's so much going on. It's like, like the visual palette of the Star Wars prequels, but today with better effects and so many aliens and it is really really cool to look at but not everything's great about it you know it's interesting as you were talking about it it kind of reminded me exactly of ready player one i know that that hasn't come out yet but as you're talking about it and what we've seen from the trailer it seems like it's gonna be like a visually stunning movie which might not have the best script or at least the best original work to play off right. of knowing that people don't really like it also as you're talking i feel like ty sheard and and dane duhan should have like switched places mm. i feel like yeah for someone who's gonna be like in a video game the whole time he could have probably been in ready player one and then ty sheard and strikes him way more as a time uh han solo type yeah he's an x-men a cyclops so you could definitely see it also think like i think the big takeaway for valyrian is that similar to john carter with taylor kish and jupiter ascending with chan tatum and mila kunis it is tough for original sci-fi fair to succeed in the mcu it's just not really possible it's tough and the box office struggles you know it's just you want to see non great huge movie universe movie succeed but when no one sees these movies how many more of them are going to get made yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see moving forward uh, something else that didn't land arcade fire's new album everything now did you, did you get a chance to listen hell no <laughs> <laughs> Have you listened to any of Arcade Fire's work? I know that their third album won uh, Album of the Year, 2011 Grammys. Yep. But yep. did I listen to it? I did not. <laughs> so it, it's like folk rock. It's, it's and or indie indie rock. Sorry, it's, it's not really my style anyway. So I never really suck it out. Right. But Win Butler, he uh, wins Celebrity All Star Game MVPs at All Star Weekend. So I know that. He's on that Jason Bay flow, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it's interesting. Arcade Fire, they're a really interesting band because. They seem to have kind of risen to fame pretty quickly. Like, they came out with Funeral back in, what was it, 04? And that was an album that caught people's attention. But then when The Suburbs came out, and then they followed up with Reflector, which those two albums sound, they have like a similar through line in sound, but Reflector was a much more large, grandiose type of album. 75 James, James Murphy influence, right? Very yeah. dancey. Absolutely. And then you heard their singles, Everything Now out the second one was but they sounded somewhat similar you know like they were incorporating more like abba disco sound to, to make it dancey so i actually had pretty high hopes for this album going in. i was like you know arcade fires are a good band they usually have good producers working with them this album felt very flat it's it's really interesting because the name of the album is everything now and i felt like they were doing trying to do way too much on this album not only were some of the the content of the songs just like very strange and seemed kind of like off for what the rest of the message was because a lot of it was about like a commentary on connection about how like media and society influences things but then also how like suicide plays into this in some way how it affects your your mood but then then they had this song called like peter pan right in the middle which is about like not wanting to grow up and not wanting to die and it's just very lame and there's like no feeling behind it for something that's supposed to, you know, like everything now, that song alone, I think is a very fun song. But the rest of the album, I guess, other than maybe like Creature of Comfort, 
fell really short. It was really disappointing. Although, I might have found a new intro song for us. Oh, well, well stay tuned for that on our podcast services, <laughs> SoundCloud and iTunes. It's a song, just to spoil it real quick, it's called Infinite Content, which I thought would be a, a good description of pretty much what we're doing every week on this, this podcast. Giving our listeners infinite content. If you want our infinite content. At Nostalgia Pod. Oh, stay plugging. <laughs> stay plugging. He knew where I was going with it. <laughs> Yeah, so if you don't have to listen to, to this Arcade Fires album, don't check it out. That'd be my, my recommendation. But Sounds like wise advice. An album I really enjoyed, and surprisingly, Amine. Good for you. Thank you. But it was also a, a good album. Uh, no, so yeah, his album called good, good For You. This is his first album? Correct, yeah. He was a double XL freshman. I was very impressed with, with not only his sound, but I thought he had some pretty good bars in it. What was your impression of it? It definitely had a unique rap song sound, and... There's plenty of rap sung people out right now, like a chance, like Drake, like uh, even Future on Hendrix, unfortunately, did last thing. And Ty Dolla Sign. There's a lot of people like this, right? But Amine doesn't sound like any of that. I mean, this, he sounds like, like Amine, which I think was very refreshing. He's not just another, he's not, he's not a SoundCloud rapper anyway, but he doesn't sound like any of those other generic SoundCloud rappers. He's an interesting story, too. There's a good profile from New York Times about him that came out on release day, which was Friday. He's from Portland, Oregon, which does not have much of a rap scene. And he's also a, pretty smart kid he was already in college when he decided to well he was always making music but he was in college when caroline took off and caroline uh, as you probably know three-time platinum hit peaked at number 11 so i really put him on the map that got him his record deal but then he followed up with this record which you know is really playful really uh melodic and like i said it's got a unique sound and i think there's a bunch of you know, really enjoyable tracks on there, and it's definitely a really strong freshman oh, effort. Dude, it, this was such a fun album to listen to while I was stuck in Boston traffic. I listened to it twice. <laughs> and, you know, the thing I think I really liked about it was it came out in July, and it's a perfect summer album. It's very fun, very flowy, <laughs> and, you know, we're going to talk about Vic Mensa in a second. Going from this album to that album back-to-back was like, dude, that, it was quite a trip because I was feeling so good after this Amine album. Then I moved to Vic, and I was like, whoa. This shit is deep. Mm. So yeah, I would recommend this this album. That's not to say that Amine isn't deep, though. Oh, he yeah. did have some woke political lyrics, and he's pretty self-aware about how he mispronounced his name and stuff yeah, like, like that. So. For sure. uh, yeah, it was just like, it was just such a fun album. I would probably put this on like if I was chilling at mm. the beach or something like that with my friends. What was your favorite song? I mean, Caroline is just fucking undeniable. But to be honest, near the end of the album, I felt like Money, Beach Boy, and Heebie Jeebies all I was like really bumping to. So what? Yeah, Beach Boy, Heebie Jeebies really good. Red Mercedes also is cool. It has a really cool video where him and his friend put on white face and kind of flip around being uh, stereotyped. So it's a cool video. But yeah, it seems like Amine's got a good head on his shoulders. Don't sleep on Amine, like although I, I can't, cool I can't dude. imagine anyone is after this. No, don't think so. But yeah, so you're a pretty big Vic Mensa guy, Dave. I saw a tweet that I think you retweeted it or quote tweeted saying, Chance the Rapper is MLK and Vic Mensa is Malcolm X. Yeah, it was from the DJ Booth review. And I thought that was the perfect so help comp. me understand that. They're both childhood friends from Chicago. I've always been repping Chicago. They used to kind of run the same Chicago click, save money. So they've always, you know, collaborated and they came up together and stuff. So that naturally, you always want to compare them. Where Chance, Chance is always a very positive guy, right? And everyone loves his message, especially when he got, uh, got a little uh, righteous on coloring book, right? And Vic... Vic has always uh, spoken out about the violence on Southside Chicago, just like Chance has. You know, in police brutality, Vic talks about it all the time in interviews. He uh, really likes talking about what matters, right? But if you listen to his album, the autobiography, his debut album, you'll see that he's a lot more blunt and protesty about 
the same themes that Chance kind of, I guess, dances and preaches around. Okay, so it's interesting. Hearing you say that, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, Chance can definitely come across, like, you think about a song like Angels where he's kind of talking about the effect you can have on a city, but he's talking about it as, like, you know, there's all these people who are awesome and great influences, but then Vic really does, like, he gets into the muck of it. Mm -hmm. What was the... I, I don't remember the exact song it might have been memories on 47th street when he talks about killing somebody and then like seeing it on instagram and he didn't really want to do it and like how he was dealing with it, it I, I was literally driving along and i was like i need to like stop and think for a little bit because this is really hitting me hard yeah to these lyrics and it's not just that he's also like really big worldview it's also a really personal album like vic really gets into uh having suicidal thoughts when he was uh struggling with drugs since his uh, blow up and prior to uh, you know, this album being recorded. So I think that's really good because people talking about suicide is not very common in rap. Also, he has the one song where there's three verses. One is his verse about the death of one of his friends. One is the verse uh, from his friend's perspective in heaven. And the third is the verse of his friend's killer. And violence is a big t topic in rap, especially gangster rap, right? But rarely do you see anyone trying to humanize or paint the full picture of a killer like that overall i think vic mensa i think he's really like kind of like achieved his full form ever since his promise many years ago when everyone really got onto him and it's great that he released a project that matches how he carries himself in interviews and what he likes to talk about i thought it was a good album i didn't think it was a, a great album by any stretch you know I, I agree with all of your points you know he takes some some unique perspectives I mean, he worked with no ID, so like the the production is pretty good on this. But some of the songs really, I thought were kind of corny, or I, I don't know. Like basically, that rolling like a stoner is mm. the most kid cutting knockoff song ever. And I, I listening to his his interview with Micah Peters of The Ringer, he basically acknowledges that like yeah, the song sounded way too cuttyish, so no ID was like oh we need to change this up. I still was listening to this like, did Kid Cudi give him this song? Was he just like, yo, you throw this on your next album? It sounded just like a Cudi song. Also, the home record, the wifey and the home record, I was like, this song kind of, I don't know. It, it was interesting, but it's weird. Meanwhile, OMG with Pusha T is a certified banger. So it's yeah, always oh, that. Dude, basically the last like three songs, I was like jamming to. And I think that's when he gets the most meta on the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, talk about like We Could Be Free, Rage, and then OMG to end it. I was like, ah, oh, this is solid. Solid way to wrap it up. I think he's got a ton of potential. Yeah, definitely. And I think the point is that, yeah, I don't think it's an, like, an amazing album. Either. There's only a few songs I actually like to go back to, but the fact that he was taking risks, getting really lyrical, and also making a few songs that people want to bang their heads to, you know, I think it's a pretty solid uh, debut. Especially for someone like him who clearly has had quite the journey in between coming up and actually getting his debut out there. So I'm pretty happy with it. Well, something that I think we left with kind of mixed feelings on when we saw it, Atomic Blonde. Mm. So this is a movie by David Leach. It's, I think, his second directorial. He worked on John Wick, the first one, uncredited as a director. And then this is, I guess, technically would be his first credited directorial movie. Right, and he'll also be directing Deadpool 2. I saw that the uh, the tweet from the Nostalgia account today. I was busy most of the day, but Domino, ZZ Beat, Zazie Beats, Jeez, looking awesome. Hype, hype, hype. What I mean, I guess where do you, where do we start? What what were the things that you really liked about this movie? Yeah, so I think the appeal of Atomic Blonde, similar to a John Wick or a Baby Driver, is that it's a real original, or I think it's adapted from an album, but more or less an original film creation that doesn't feel like you need to catch all the references to the 
things being set up, right? We always talk about franchise fatigue and things like that. And even if there's an Atomic Blonde sequel going into it, just like Baby Driver, the appeal is that it's a lower stakes experience for the viewer. And Atomic Blonde in particular, you know, I think the Jane Wick, Jane Bourne comps can be a little reductive, but they're also a way to make the elevator pitch, right? And oh, yeah. in this case, having it be Charlize Theron, who's been on quite the uh, blockbuster kick with Huntsman and Mad Max and Fast 8, Charlize Theron being a spy at the end of the Cold War in Berlin, with James McAvoy as her, you know, cohort. Contact. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I think it's, it's appealing right off the bat. And then when you know David Leach is involved, you know the action is going to be really personal, physical, and practical. And that's exactly what we got. Yeah, the, the action scenes I thought were, were great. And one of the cool parts about it was you actually saw some realism in the action scenes. I mean, there were parts like uh, the beginning of the movie, that guy get, that get hit, that got hit by the car in the beginning. He somehow got hit by a car in his legs and flew upward. Not in like a regular way, like he turned sideways and went up. I was like... Didn't really make sense, but <laughs> it's a movie, so like you suspend some some belief. But then you you have that awesome kind of like one shot, similar to what Game of Thrones did with Jon Snow, Battle of Bastards scene, where she's fighting in the stairwell and she gets tired, and so does the other guy. And I was like, ah, you like never see action heroes actually get tired in the movie, and it really I think added to the fight scene in a great way. Exactly, when you see someone get hit over the head with plates and pieces of wall and stuff, eventually the person getting hit's gonna take some damage, and seeing Lorraine and whoever she was fighting kind of both like reeling and barely getting off the ground and kind of waiting for someone else to make the move. But yeah, it's refreshing to see that kind of action. But we, you know, we've come to expect this from David Leach. So yeah, I think the appeal in general is just you want to watch Charlize Theron kick ass and just kind of a fun uh, watch because you shouldn't be going into this expecting like an amazing story or a you know killer script or anything like that. Yeah, it was funny. I went on Wikipedia today just to do you know some quick research, get some quick notes. And I went to the plot section, expecting it to just be question marks or something like that. But it was actually, like, seven whole paragraphs explaining everything. And I was like, I caught maybe a third of this. I was like, I know that there's James McAvoy and Charlize Theron. And there's someone named Satchel. And, yeah, that's about it. Like, let's just watch people fuck shit up. It was pretty awesome. What did you think of all the twists? I guess, like, pseudo-spoiler. I don't know if we have to go too deep into it. But the ending was, like, twist after twist after twist. It is a legitimately confusing movie to follow. I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. It's kind of the consensus at this point. And you just kind of, I think everyone's recommendation, just go with it and just have fun. Because and here's the thing. It's not like it's this amazing like Christopher Nolan story that you're just too dumb to understand. It's kind of a, it's not a by the numbers spy story, but it's closer to that. So if it's a little confusing, don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. Just enjoy the badassery of everyone involved and shout out my girl sophia butella she's coming up oh absolutely she was great you know it, it was funny interesting that like just enjoy it like there's so many like kitschy lines and like i don't know like stupid dialogue in there like oh, i'm glad you told me because the next time it'll get me killed or something like that it's like okay well, this is a little <laughs> script isn't the star soundtrack was dope yep no the script is not the star but the soundtrack was dope the action scenes were awesome and uh, i think david leach is gonna have a uh, you know, a long career doing some fun action movies moving forward. Agreed. Uh, do you think that this will have a sequel? Yes, I think so. It actually a little underperformed at the box office domestically, a little under 20. They projected 20, got like 17 or 18. But at the same time, I think movies like this with a star power and this kind of positive reception, and the fact that it only costs $30 million to make, so it's not a bomb, 
it was a cheap movie. Uh, I think definitely warrants a sequel. And you can do anything with it as a sequel. You don't have to just follow up directly where it left off. So I think there's realms of uh, possibility there. So it'll be interesting to follow that along. Uh, Charlize did help produce it, so she might be invested in making a sequel. Who knows if she wants to. But overall, I think it's uh, definitely one of the, uh, I won't say surprise of the uh, summer, but it's one of the better successes in a summer with a bunch of franchise uh, movies underperforming. Well, it's interesting because I feel like the reason it underperformed probably was because uh, Girls Trip seemed to really steal the weekend. They did. In a way. And that's actually, I think, really good news because it feels like every comedy that's come out this summer has been a flop in a way. So to have a comedy that now people were high on to come out and kind of steal the zeitgeist in a way is really exciting. I'm definitely going to make time to go see that at some point. Agreed, yeah. In the summer where Baywatch did bad, Girl Trip doing good is a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Any last thoughts on Atomic Blonde before we wrap up for the, the show? Uh, yeah, just go see it. I think it's definitely worth seeing. A lot of stars in there. And we can't can't say it enough. The action is original and superb. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's worth seeing in a movie theater, I think, just for like the, the scope and size of it. Oh, we gotta shout out our theater experience watching this. We had a we had an into it crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny because there's some, some grotesque sex, sex scenes, I guess we could say, and the crowd was really, I think, taken aback by that. Some people were very, like, into it, and some people found it very funny, which I thought was interesting. They found a, they found a lot of people getting injured, like, hilarious. And I was like, yeah. and but then also when a few twists happened, you heard a bunch of like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Albany crowd, always a mix. So. Cross skates, man. We know we got to know better next time. <laughs> so i think we're gonna wrap up there for this week next week uh what do we got uh coming up the killers album should be coming out they, they just announced that uh, their album's gonna be called wonder wonder so oh this is i feel like this is actually a pretty big album for the killers their last one i think it was oh man i don't even remember the name of it i remember it had the song miss atomic blonde on there or yeah, miss atomic bomb <laughs> but other than that i don't really remember the album and that's why this is this is such a big album because mm-hmm. Follow up to a non-memorable album for the Killers. This uh, Friday, Wet Hot American Summer, ten years later, comes out on Netflix. That's the uh, follow up to First Day of Camp, the original uh, prequel series that came on Netflix in twenty summer twenty fifteen, and of course the Wet Hot movie from uh, the early two thousands. So that should be fun because that's just got you know all those stars: Elizabeth Banks, Paul Rudd, Chris Maloney, Joel Truglio, etc. So it's fun. Uh, also. Rick and Morty is back. If you wanted to yeah. speak to that, I haven't been able to watch the new episodes yet. I will, you know, because I'm, I'm a cord cutter, it's waiting for it to come out on Hulu. But I also have a job, and we record it after work, so I'm trying to catch up. I will touch more. I'll give my review of the episodes next week. Why is Rick and Morty a Cartoon Network show worth checking out? A cartoon. If you like Community, which I, I don't know, do you ever watch Community? Some of it, yeah. Shout out Don Glover. It's one of the smartest shows i think i've ever seen and rick and morty it's you know we talked about bojack horseman last year rick and morty falls into that category but it's just funnier than bojack is it's intentionally funnier and but it still has meaning and like arrested development or community it ties in jokes from episodes that happened 10 11 13 episodes ago and they still have these running through mm-hmm. lines it's just it's a it's pretty much a perfect i think animated series at this point underrated for sure sounds like yeah definitely a good recommendation it's been almost two years since new episodes came out 
Also, Cage the Elephant came out with an album, which we're not going to listen to, but it's, it's actually light on albums this upcoming week. No one big releasing now, at least not, not that I see here online. The following week, though, we, Kesha dropping her new album. Shout out Kesha. Right. And then... Action Bronson's coming out uh, soon, in a few weeks. Blue Chip 7000, new mixtape. So I'm excited for that because he's had a few singles that have been uh, really good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like we're kind of due for like a non-promoted drop at this point, especially because this August seems like a pretty light month in terms of like big albums. But mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails should also be dropping an album, and I think The War on Drugs as well. So rock albums are going to be coming out. Oh, it looks like Motorhead's also dropping an album uh, in September, though, so we got some time. Same day as LCD Sound System. Hey, action's August 25th, so we got a few weeks for that. Uh, also this week at the movies, uh, Detroit from Catherine Bigelow, as well as The Dark Tower, which we've kind of buried already, personally. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll see Detroit uh, eventually. I'll see you eventually. So. That, that's a perfect spectrum. Yeah, Little Theater for you, those of you listening at home. We're going to wrap up, uh, but follow our Twitter account, at NostalgiaPod. Follow Dave's social media, at Martin Swagger, or at Dave Martinson if you want to go to his Instagram. Dave underscore Martinson. Stay woke. I'm at Sheeny World Peace. Follow all of our all of our places to listen. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Rate, review on iTunes. Share with friends. Help us grow. Subscribe on YouTube. YouTube. Yes, yeah, subscribe on YouTube right there. Yep. Somewhere. Hopefully I got it. <laughs> uh, give, give us your thoughts on all the new music that's out right now. Mm-hmm. Confederate, are you in? Are you not in like most people? What do you think of the show? Ah, actually, before we go, Dave, real quick, Mahershala Ali, good or bad for True Detective Season 3? Good. Very good. The GOAT! Nick Pizzolatto, uh, David yeah. Milch, Deadwood fame, working together, so I am very excited for True Detective. They're one for two. And apparently that, that Deadwood movie is actually moving forward, too. Apparently the so. script's done and really good. Again, I'll believe it when I see it, but good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely catch up on Deadwood if you haven't watched that. But give us a rating and review on iTunes. We really need those. We really want to hear from you guys what we can improve on, what we could continue doing that you like. If you have any feedback, any negative feedback, send it all to Dave because I don't really want to hear it. No, I do. Any last thoughts, Dave? Just go see Tommy Blunt and listen to Amina and Vic. We love you guys. Bye.